Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, also known as the Plant Power Doctor, and I'm your host for the Wellness Edit with Holland and Barrett. I can't quite believe I'm saying this, but in this episode, I am actually going to be joined by the amazing Beth Mead. She is a superstar of the UEFA Women's Euro 22. Beth won the Golden Boot and was named Player of the Tournament and top assist provider for her six goals and five assists during the world record-breaking tournament, which skyrocketed the profile of the women's football team. Beth also recently launched the Beth Mead Scholarship at Teesside University to support students who have the potential to reach professional level within women's football. Welcome to the podcast, Beth. Thank you. How are you today? How is it all going? Yeah, it's good. Um, life's a little hectic since all that that you've just mentioned, but yeah, it's been great, uh, especially for the women's game in football. And I guess our lives individually has changed a little bit since then as well. I should imagine. Tell me a bit about what that's been like. How does life look now compared to when you won the tournament? Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, when we won, I tried to get away on holiday straight away. And going away, I went to Greece and, yeah, couldn't walk down the street without um, an English person stopping for a picture or asking for an autograph or being starstruck that I was there. And I remember a man in the airport asking for a picture and his hand was shaking. And I was thinking, I don't understand this. Like, for me, I'm the same old best made. Like, I just play football, I do what I love, and people are really starstruck to see me, so... Yeah, it's took a little bit of getting used to. Obviously, being quite busy off the pitch as well, which normally I come home and I watch my Netflix series. So it's been a little bit different since then. <laughs> I can imagine. I I I would I think it is a really difficult adjustment because yeah, you know, on the inside you haven't changed. You're the same person, but obviously with uh, all this sort of newfound fame uh, and the focus on the game. It's it's been sort of quite strange because then you've become real a real figurehead because of how successful you were in particular. Um, how have you coped with it? Do you have any sort of coping strategies that you've learned? To be fair, I'm on more of an outgoing person, so I enjoy it to a certain extent. I always say, like, if people know who I am, who they know the teammates are, then for me it's good. Like, it's a start of people recognising female footballers, hopefully... They've really got into it since the Euros and really wanted to come to games and that's what we want. But yeah, I've always been one who's always spent, I mean, say a lot of time with fans after games or, yeah, interacted with them after games because I, f- I feel like during COVID, the fans weren't there and the game just wasn't the same. There wasn't an atmosphere, there wasn't someone shouting your name, there wasn't someone giving you that little bit extra energy when you needed it in- the end of game so I feel like we really got a sense of appreciating fans at that point and yeah we need the fans for the game to become bigger so for me in that sense that's how I kind of look at it and make it more logical but yeah sometimes it's a little bit interesting when you start eating maybe your food and someone comes and asks for a picture and I'm like yeah I could have seen my mouth full first and then I'll go from there but <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know it's it must be such a strange feeling but I love the way that you framed it in your mind because for women's football it hasn't had the exposure that it deserves up until this point and 
I was really encouraged to see how much of an emphasis there was on the fans just being so respectful and um, excited. And my understanding is that the games themselves were very harmonious compared to usual. Is that something that, that you noticed or that was talked about with you? Yeah, no, massively. I had obviously, I was lucky enough to go to the Men's Euro final um, last year and I mean, myself and I think a lot of people who went really didn't enjoy it. There was a lot of, I mean, people breaking into the ground, people forcing their way in. It wasn't a nice atmosphere. People were obviously on edge compared to our final. I think people, it was very much a lovely atmosphere. I think fans were singing from start till finish. Getting into the stadium, there was no issue. It really had a really nice feel around it and people were there to, like really enjoying them. Selves, I mean, not just the football, but they enjoyed the whole experience. And that's what we want in the women's game. We want people to enjoy coming and not have that fear factor of something going wrong at the game or something starting up. So, yeah, the fans were incredible during the, all of the games during the Euros. But, yeah, there was such an amazing feel. There was energy of from every age group, whether it was young kids, your grandma, your granddad grown men, women, and everyone really got into it. But, yeah, you could just feel the sense of pride within the crowd. That Yeah, it was the energy that helped us throughout the tournament, like I said earlier. Yeah, it must have been such a rush. And looking at this stratospheric year that you've had in 2022, it would be really interesting for me to take you back, take you back to, I guess, the very beginning, because it's interesting for me and probably for our listeners to know a bit more about what motivated you to play football. Do you have a key experience when you were younger or, or when did you sort of first know that football was what you really, really wanted to do? I mean, during my time at school and things, I did a lot of sports. I very much enjoyed doing sport in general. Um, PE was my favourite lesson. But I always knew when I played football, that was what I wanted to do when I was out of school with my friends on a night at the football pitch. I got so much enjoyment out of it. I didn't think about anything else when I was playing football, which I still don't do now. I play like a 10-year-old running around at the pitch. So obviously, realistically, it wasn't possible maybe till I was 19 to become professional in women's football. But it was something I always wanted to do. But I mean, like you mentioned earlier, I've done the scholarship at Teesside Uni and that was the university I went to and I did my degree because I didn't know what was going to lie ahead for me at that point so I needed obviously to get my degree to then go into maybe a job or whatever it may be and yeah in my final year of university I actually went full-time football um, with Sunderland women and I think that's when it started to become a little bit of a reality and it sounds later on but unfortunately in the women's game it wasn't professional till then. Yeah, and that's really an interesting indictment of the way things are, I guess. The fact that you were so talented and you've been doing it for so long and you still had to think about an alternative career because you just didn't know if it was actually going to be something that you could do professionally. Yeah, we always, I guess in women's football, we needed a backup plan. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that was the realism that you could not be a professional footballer at that point and... For me, I was going to try and be a PE teacher. So that was my goal at that point until obviously the year I was, it was possible to become professional. So I've been now professional for seven years, but 
in the grand scheme of the game and how long it's been running, it's not a long time. No, it really isn't. And I think that's that's really has been sad. I'm glad things seem to be changing. Um, I mean, I'm curious to know about when you were playing as a younger girl and into your womanhood, were there facilities for you, you know, in terms of opportunities uh, and support for a female playing football to develop just from somebody who likes to play football to somebody who could actually be really, really, really good? Like, what, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, I was lucky enough that I was willing to work hard and had enough talent to get to where I am now. Not that I'm saying it's easier, but the pathways now are easier. You've got more support. You've got the right advice. You've got the best coaches. My dad was my coach at one point when I was younger and he didn't have the correct levels of coaching badges. But I played in a boys team. Obviously, the facility, they didn't facilitate for women's teams at that age. And for me, I, I sit here and say that I still wouldn't change that because I think my development was made a lot quicker and because of playing with the boys I had to be more physical I had to get stuck in I had to my ability had to help me to a certain extent to play against them so for me that helped me develop but yeah until I became I mean I was at Centre of Excellence Football which is classed as academy football I didn't really get gym work I didn't get specific stuff until I was maybe 16 and yeah, now I think you can you can get it from the age of eight or something, like you can get that support. And yeah, I'm worried a little bit about the kids that are coming through that are going to kick me out at some point because they've had it from such a young age. They should be fly, <laughs> hopefully fly in time they get to my age. But yeah, it's very much changed in facilities. And even now, like me playing at Arsenal, like they've just built us a specific facility for the women's side. Don't get me wrong, they've had amazing facilities, but... We've always used like the what they've built for the men's side of things. And yes, we've been able to use it, but now we're getting it built for just like our bit for us to use. And that's still in 2022. So there's still a long way to go for women's football and the development. But yeah, Arsenal are a team that are probably higher up than most. Like you think of the teams that are just coming up into the game or the lower teams in the league, they their facilities probably won't be as good as ours. So... There's always somewhere that we want to push and push forward in the women's game. Yeah, no, it's it's wonderful news. And thinking about what you said about how actually playing with all of these boys who were also uh, really good quality players, you felt as though it elevated you. It sort of lifted you above what you would otherwise have achieved. I think that's quite interesting. Is that true for some of the other um, elite players on the team as well or no? Yeah, no, there's a, quite a few of the girls that were probably currently playing, played in boys teams growing up. I mean, for me as a young girl, I was very much not great at getting out of my comfort zone. My dad and my mum were obviously great support bubbles for me that they helped me with that and they pushed me and made me do things that I didn't want to do at the time, but actually I needed to do and playing with the boys was one of them things and yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it and to be fair, I was still bad at it when I came to Arsenal when I was 21. I struggled. I was injured when I first signed, but I struggled out to being out of my comfort zone, being further away from home, living in a house with other girls, not my parents. Yeah, I've had that issue throughout my career growing up. I mean, I was laughed at playing with the boys when I walked on the pitch by parents and the boys themselves. But my dad always said to me, you don't need to react, just let your football do the talking and 
generally after most football games. I had a lot more respect after them games. Yeah, I think that's that's a very formative experience to push past the people like mocking you, laughing at you, trying to take jibes and actually showing them that you are really good at the game and that that's what matters. And it takes a lot of strength, not only from you, but from your parents. Like I, I really loved hearing what you just said about how you know your dad was your coach for a while. And my understanding is that your mum... You know, she she had to take a second job to help pay for the petrol that was needed to get you to these um, games or the academy at Middlesbrough that you needed to get to, which is like 45 minutes from home. Um, uh, This is kind of a a wonderful level of support, which I think everybody deserves if they're passionate about something. Um, But obviously not everybody will get that kind of support. Looking back on it, you sound as though you're actually quite grateful for the times at which your parents recognised your passion and sort of pushed you to do some of the things that you'd rather not have done at the time. Do you have any reflections on that now or any advice that you would maybe give to somebody, to a girl who who is really keen on football but maybe not having the support that you had? Yeah, obviously I was very lucky that I had my, both my parents who pushed me Um to do things that I maybe wasn't most comfortable doing, but they made it comfortable and very lucky for the effort they put in for me. But I guess there's people out there to help you. There's pathways that can help support you within the game now. And I guess reaching out to them if you haven't got the support that you need and deserve, like you say, then reach out or try and reach out best you can or try and speak to someone at your school or something. And... Mm. If it's something you're passionate about and you want to do, then there's people out there to support you to do that and help you become the next, I mean, Beth Mead, Lucy Bronze, whoever it may be. The next Beth Mead. I like the sound of that. Not myself, (laughs) actually, but... But it's great because you are you are a trailblazer for women and girls, so it's it's wonderful. I know that it's something that you may you know find strange because it all still feels quite Saying new. Saying out loud that sounds strange, to be fair. Yeah, but it's wonderful. It's something that I'm really happy to celebrate with you because it is a difficult journey. Like to to be an elite women's football player is is a tough journey. And reflecting on what you said about how you had to play with the boys and you had to up your game and be tougher and get in there and just do what you needed to do I reflect on puberty and the changes that go with that obviously for uh, young girls going into womanhood uh, they grow breasts and they have periods and the boys you know they'll have potential increased physical strength what kind of you know challenges did you face in that regard did you have problem if you don't mind sort of answering about things like that which I know is perhaps a little bit taboo for a lot of people but did you have issues with your periods or with the changing rooms or the changing bodies or just sort of you know the clothing or is there anything that that bothered you around that time that you could share or that that would inspire other people um to be able to put those things aside yeah um obviously going back to playing with the boys a little bit like you said, genetically, the boys get more powerful, stronger, faster, which unfortunately is the difference between the men and the women's game. And we're very much aware of that. We get that. We can't do anything against that. I obviously, there was a cut-off age for me to stop at that point. So I then obviously went into fo- fo- like female football and girls football after that. But yeah, I went into a women's team and I was 16 when I first went to the women's team and I was 
a late, late at puberty. I think I was 14 when I started my period. So they made it very comfortable for me. Like, they made it the norm. And the girls who were at the club at the time, which helped me a long way. But, yeah, to this day, I still struggle with my menstrual cycle. Um, we work closely with a lady who specifically does menstrual cycle research and in sport and football for females. So we work closely with her. But, I mean, for me, I had a lot of pain and when I had my uh, period and things. So I struggled with that to do training sometimes. So I always had to get the right balance. I have things that I put in place to try and help mask or make it feel a little bit better. I used to get a lot of back pain with it. So I have like a back mobility program that I do in certain instances. And we have smoothie phases for what phase you're in that we have while we're on camp with England. And then when you're at home, you obviously make like yourself and things. But there's always coping strategies for things like that. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it sucks and you wonder why, but... Yeah, it's part and parcel of being a woman. And I think sometimes we, we don't embrace that enough. Yes, it doesn't feel the greatest at all times, but yeah, it happens for a reason. And we've got to yeah, cope and maintain best that we can. Yeah. And it's great also just to talk about it too, because otherwise I think some people would feel like they were struggling or, or that it was just them. Don't worry. Yeah. It's the norm. <laughs> for you, obviously, it was important to set up your Beth Mead scholarship at Teesside University, which must feel like a lovely full circle thing to do, given that you were also a student there. Would you be able to tell me about a bit more about what that means to you and what you're hoping it's going to achieve for people? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've been really proud about. Um, I have to say that Teesside University were incredible for me when I was um, there. Obviously, I was there for three years, but my final year, I was full-time for Sunderland. And obviously, when I started onto the course, I wasn't, so I was able to attend all lectures, lessons, do all my work, and it'd be perfect and on time. And obviously, then becoming full-time, it become a little bit more difficult to juggle that. Some of the team were still semi-professionals, some were still working alongside playing, so we would train on the morning, we'd then train on the late evening as well for them girls who would come in. So my time management was really difficult to try and sort out and kind of keep on top of my work. But Teesside, my mentor there was incredible. He kind of kept me up to date with everything. They recorded lectures for me to watch over. My peers in the lessons like kind of said, oh, this, this and this needs doing. It's on the online forum, but we're just letting you know. And they were great at helping me with that. And if I had a game that weekend and something was in, they'd kind of give, maybe be nice enough to give me an extension till the following week or something, which went such a long way for me. Like, I appreciate it so much. And it made me like kind of less stressy about the situation. And yeah, they were really on top of it. So for me, it was something that I wanted to do for girls. Now, it, professional football being, yeah, obviously more doable to do. So for me, I wanted to still encourage girls to still go to university. I think it's something, again, the women's game, you need something afterwards. You need something to fall back on. You need something to go into. And I still wanted to encourage girls to do university, but have the support, which I did, and I was very lucky in that sense. But so they can get that. They get the support yeah. from the university. And they also can get mentorship from me. So actually throughout this academic year with them now, which is starting this now just in September, I can have um, one-to-ones with them and 
Zoom calls and kind of educate them as in them areas and in the footballing world as well and I guess best prepare them for what's to come yeah. in the female game. Um, there's still a lot for me to learn, especially the direction it's going in now, but if I can help them just a little bit, then I think it's better than nothing. It is. It's wonderful. And I really admire it. There are many people that would be in your position that would just be riding on that wave and not thinking about other people. Whereas you have literally only just achieved that incredible success. And here you are giving mentorship, giving support, thinking about the future of women's football. And even literally right on the back of your win this summer, my understanding is that yourself, along with the other lionesses, wrote an open letter to Tory leadership uh, candidates Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss asking them to commit to allowing girls to play football in schools after the Department for Education refused to change their guidance because I mean from what I understand only 44% of secondary schools provide equal football lessons in PE for, for boys and for girls I mean first of all that's quite shocking and secondly um, I also feel really really happy and proud that you did that could you could you share more about about that and and the reasons for it I mean obviously you're saying it out loud it's a horrific stat to hear like why yeah. are things not equal like yeah it's it's frustrating and for us as a team I think we started maybe in the quarterfinal we started realizing the direction we were heading in so we just qualified for the semi-final and we sat down and to be fair a lot of Wuben Moy one of the girls said like PE for girls is horrendous like how are they meant to come to this level of playing with us and doing what we do if they haven't been given the opportunity to do it from, from a young age and again have the support that they deserve mm. so for us we felt like we were in such a great position to kind of put that up and let her out there, kind of demand that. And obviously we put it out after we'd won the final and we'd just become European champions, which we hoped would be a lot more powerful. Um, obviously we didn't know we were going to win the final when we originally spoke about it, but coming from a group of women who have just won European championships in England and made the country very proud, I think they should be listening to that. And for us, that's the effect that we wanted to have. And we realised we're in such a strong position to kind of demand that. And for us, that's what we wanted to help with. I know the female hockey team did exactly the same when they won gold as well. They did an open letter to put the same thing out. So fingers crossed, we're moving in a good direction we have had a response and hopefully we're progressing in the right direction with that that's good so from whom did you have a response and what did they say and obviously I think Liz Truss has probably got a little a lot of things going on right now but yeah they've kind of responded to us and want it to be something that they address so yeah we're still waiting on the whole outcome of that but fingers crossed it's in the right positive direction and we can kind of get that over the over the finish line yeah I'm I'm really hopeful for you and for all of us for all girls and women I think it makes so much sense to provide those sorts of equal opportunities especially as people not only were really enjoying the games and getting into it but also because you know the women's football team has made us so proud. So it's a wonderful way of, of getting more support for the cause. And also f for the future of of our mental health in general as, as uh, girls and women growing up today, because I feel that quite a lot of the time, the, the role models that we see 
young girls, I say we, but really I'm thinking about young girls growing up today in this age of social media where filters are rife and cosmetic procedures are becoming so much more normal. I think it's lovely to have positive role models in fitness, in health, in teamwork, you know, in in achieving something for a collective good. I think that that is that cannot be overstated. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing in that area and also would be keen to hear your thoughts on role models and how important that is for, for girls and women, seeing people like yourself achieving these things. has Have you had any idea of what that's meant to girls who are following the game? I mean, for me, I didn't have so many role models growing up. Kelly Smith was one of the big ones for me who played at Arsenal. Yeah, there was literally a handful of players that you'd have probably known in the women's game at that point. And, oh, she, I looked up to Kelly, wanted to be like her, came to Arsenal, tried to play with her and she actually retired that season. So that one was a bummer. But she gave me something to aspire to be like. I wanted to do what she was doing. I wanted people to know my name like Kelly Smith's name. I think... For me now, obviously seeing young girls after games and how excited they are to see you and speak to you. Like I really love interacting with fans. I said that earlier, but these girls are aspiring to want to be like you and we've got to set a standard and be them role models. And my football does its talking on the pitch, but for what I can do after the game and speak to them and be open and friendly and give a little bit of my time to them, I think super important because... I didn't get the opportunity to go to that many women's games to meet people, my idols. And yeah, I think if I can say hello to a young girl, have a little conversation, get a picture, it'll go such a long way and she'll go away with that memory forever. And hopefully that keeps her motivated to want to be on the other side of the barrier. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's for me really important. And it's something that I've always wanted in the women's game and strived to give that to the fans and young girls aspiring and young boys because a lot of young boys come to the game like we feel like we can aspire them as well yeah it's wonderful I can imagine that that feels so good and I love that you're so mindful of it knowing how much it will mean to them in that moment to have a friendly face that they can then look up to and think well if if she's done it I can do it that could be true for, for boys as well so yeah that's a it's a lovely way of looking at it and I hope that anyone listening, especially perhaps you know in the in the men's game as well, understand how important that is. Like you are a role model for people now that you're so well known, and and just to be so mindful of it is a very special thing. I was reflecting on something that you said about uh, sort of about ten fifteen minutes ago about how you play football, that you have the passion for it and the joy for it, and that you still play like you're a ten year old, just having so much fun with it and I think that that is something that is so important I was speaking with Johnny Wilkinson for the previous series of the podcast and he absolutely loved the game of rugby as a child and through his teens it was something that was just that he adored that he was so passionate about and then you know the more professional he became and the more pressure that he faced the less he enjoyed it to the point where he felt quite constricted like he felt as though it was all about the performance and the anxiety was he going to perform was he going to disappoint people and it became something that he couldn't escape that feeling as though he was almost trapped in the game for a time especially after the stratospheric win that he had back in I think it was 2003 
is that something that you can resonate with at this point or is that something that you've heard about before and want to avoid for yourself is that tell me a bit about how that feels when you hear that and if that's something that you can relate to I can yeah I can you saying that is literally what I would have said like I relate to that massively I was unfortunate enough to miss out on the Olympic team last year I had the dis- disappointment of not making that team I had a good season. I thought I had a good enough season to deserve to be in that team, but it wasn't meant to be. And how I have done this season, yeah, I look back and I think, well, why did I not play as well as that now? Why did I not put in the performances that I have for my club and country this season? And for me, I know for 100% this season, we put like so much pressure on ourselves as athletes. We have such an expectation to play 10 out of 10 every game from the outside world. And that's impossible. Like, it's impossible to do that all the time and not everything's going to be perfect. You might play an opponent who you struggle to play against that in certain games. And I think that overrides you sometimes. You think about all that, you put the pressure on and at the time you don't realise you're doing it. But... For me this season, my big change is I've not thought about anybody else. Yes, I'm part of a team, but individually to make, get the best out of myself, which will then be the best for the team. I've played freely. I've played like the six-year-old that started playing football for what I loved. And I was happy. I was happy on a football pitch. I was loving being there. I didn't think about any outside noise. I didn't put any pressure on myself. If I made a mistake, that was okay. I forgot about it. I didn't dwell on it. And I think for me this season, that's what's really changed. I can completely agree with what he says, and especially when you're in major tournaments like we were in the Euros. There was such pressure on us, but we had such an amazing coach like Serena, and she had this superpower of making us calm and keeping the outside noise away. That's why we played with such love and happiness for the game and we did the business we won and it sounds so simple but it's so difficult to do so for me I think I can completely agree with what Johnny said like that we do do that as professional athletes and yeah sometimes you just need to strip it all back and enjoy doing what you love doing yeah that's very powerful and it helps you to do the business, right? You can't, you can't, you can't perform to your best when you're feeling so constricted and so down on yourself, or you know, dwelling on the things that went wrong. And it must have been tough. You mentioned that you didn't make the team for the Olympic squad, and you've had such a mixture of highs and lows. You know, you had the stratospheric uh, early career, winning lots of awards, England Young Player of the Year. A couple of times, I think. Obviously, that huge disappointment, and now obviously this huge high this year. How, how have you dealt with that? Uh, is that something that you had struggled with in the past? Um, and is that something that you're, you know, that you're sort of finding it easier to navigate as as your life goes by, or is that something that you're, you know, that you still struggle with, perhaps? Yeah, obviously, it's, it's it wasn't easy for me. I guess in terms of people know my disappointment, the, I. They clearly understood where I was coming from and I'm actually bringing a book out called My Journey to Glory. But a big part of it is my disappointment during that time of the Olympics and 
my feelings and how I felt towards the coach and the feedback I got and things. And I think how I felt at the time, I felt terrible for thinking the things I thought, but actually people in that position can be quite normal in how you're feeling. And I had a month off from football after that, as in they were at the Olympics, I had time off during the summer and it was probably the best time off that I'd, I'd possibly had in my career so far. I got my head around it. I got my head in the correct place. I was willing to then be more motivated than ever and hungrier than ever to want to, one, prove that coach wrong, prove the footballing world wrong and put my best football out there again. So in hindsight, I had the season I had maybe because of that dis disappointment and it gave me the kick up the bum that I maybe deserved and didn't realise I needed at the time. But I think we dwell so much on bad moments within our careers and our lives in general that when you have the ups and you have the happy moments, you really need to embrace them. And obviously me, this summer and the girls, we've really embraced winning and what's come with it. And we deserve to. We did something that one a women's team's not done and a men's team's not done in a long time. So I think, yes, lows can be low, but you've got to also sit on them very high highs and it's one thing I think and it can be very English culture of us and us as an England team especially we disqualified for the World Cup and we were over the moon for doing that in qualification but we said well done to each other and then we went on our way to go and play the next game and some teams celebrated it like they'd won the World Cup and I think that's just always been our part of our culture within the women's football world of what I've known but Again, we've just got to embrace the good moments and the moments that are good. And yeah, I say it's easier said than done, but try not to dwell on the laws too much. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And so, you know, what I take from that is that, yes, we can all struggle and it's easier to dwell on the negatives, but actually celebrating the wins and being present in the game, slowing down, enjoying the game, giving yourself that childlike um, adoration for the sport you love is key to not only sort of having fun with it, but also improving your performance. So, yeah, I think that's that's wonderful advice. And it can apply to so many different things as well. Like if you focus on your joy and your passion and celebrate the things that you notice that you're doing well, I think it's just a great way of, of living life, isn't it? No, it is. I think, again, life... It throws a lot at you. There's a lot of ups and downs, but I could play a good game or you could have a great day at work, but you remember one bad thing you did and you dwell on that more than the rest. And I think we've got to be so much better at appreciating what we're actually doing in life and the highs and, yeah, not putting too much pressure on ourselves as individuals. Yeah. And as you say, it's not even just about the individual, I suppose, when you get to this level, indeed, at any level, it's about the team as well. Do you have any ideas about what you feel the secret of a successful team is? Looking at our team right now, I've been obviously involved with the England team for a little while now. And for me, the environment, the way we take care of each other, the way we know if something's wrong with someone in the group, uh, we get around each other, we support each other. We'd run through a brick wall for each other. And to be fair, our coach, I have to give her a lot of credit. She's really brought us together as a team. Is that Serena? Yeah, that's Serena. I guess to a certain level, she played in the international game for the Netherlands. She's been a footballer. She's seen it on both ends. She 
understands how we're feeling sometimes. She gets it and she's also a woman who also gets the other bits and bobs that come along with being a woman. And she's just, it's its so hard to explain because she's just, like I said, has this such a superpower to bring people together, make you feel calm in some of the highest pressure moments of your career and really just simplify life. But it's sounds like a simple thing to do, but she makes it simple. She compared to coaches I've had in the past who have overcomplicated football, overcomplicated what a team should be and look like. And for me, this is the England team was the best team I'd been a part of. And it showed in our football, even when we went 1-0 down to Spain, who were one of the favourites to win the tournament, we didn't panic. We knew the quality we had in the team and we went on a 1-2-1 in extra time. And I think at that point we realised as a team what we were capable of and... For us, that was we were just doing what we loved. The rest should come easy. And again, we put so much pressure on ourselves as individuals and collectively. Actually, you take away from what you're good at. Like we're all there because we're good footballers, but we really cared about each other. And it was from number one in the team to number twenty-three. And players that didn't play want wanted the best for every single person and they had their back and they supported every single one. And it's very hard to do as a team, but I feel like obviously during this time when we absolutely nailed it. You did. You yeah. absolutely nailed it. <laughs> so well done. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's really good to hear. And it's nice to hear that it's that feeling of giving as well, like giving to the team. Like you said that you'd run into a brick wall for each other. It's that idea of caring about each other just as much as you care about the win, mm -hmm. which I think really helps. Um, it certainly would for me. I'm curious to know, I know that you, you mentioned earlier about how you were able to give the lows that you experienced back in sort of when you didn't make the team for Tokyo a, a different perspective. And you feel as though looking back on it now, it kind of gave you a bit of a kick up the ass to actually show everybody, now I am good at this game and this is what I love and it made you hungry for it. Is that something that you had to learn like for yourself or is that something did you did you get any advice from anybody in that regard and if you did sort of figure it out for yourself if you could speak to yourself now at that point then would you say something different to sort of help you get to that better headspace um yeah I think for me it was the first time I've been looking enough in my career that I've generally played um I've not had to sit on a bench at touch would have not had too many horrible injuries so for me, in women, in football in general, that's quite smooth sailing. So this was my first really down moment and not being selected. So, I mean, for me, I, I say I was probably looking back a little bit immature in my reaction and how I was and how I took it. But I wouldn't change how I came back into the game or how I reacted in the end. Yes, it took me maybe a little bit longer than it should have to kind of pull my head out my ass as you like you say but yeah for me I spoke to it was funny actually we, I went to the men's semi-final of the Euros and Casey Stoney and Kelly Smith were there and obviously someone I looked up to and they obviously were like you're allowed to be disappointed that's fine but football's made and life is made again for ups and downs it's the way you bounce back and the bounce back ability that's important and yeah that resonated with me that I was like I need to stop being immature and 
get back into my football and get my head down and again play my best football and that's what I did this season but yeah from what them saying that really resonated with me and it was a simple thing that they said but why was I being immature I can't change it now all I can do is change what happens in my future and that was my mindset that went into that yeah and that's part of our learning journey isn't it sometimes you know we we react in ways that are well, reactive, that's exactly what they are. There are ways of reacting to something rather than taking that step back and thinking, okay, well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the world? You know, it's um, it's it's the natural thing to jump to an emotional response. But yeah, we learn from it, don't we? So it's all part of that journey. So as this is the wellness edit, we will have to talk a little bit about wellness. It's a word that means very different things to different people. I'm curious to know, what does it mean to you, the word wellness? For me, I mean, we have every morning at club a wellness questionnaire that we do. Um, oh, really? <laughs> wow. And I mean, it, I think for everybody, it covers different things. We do it at club and country. Mentally, we do, we cover in wellness, for, or for me, or what I know of it is wellness, how well I've slept that night to perform the next day mentally where I'm at where how am I feeling am I happy am I sad am I in between we actually put period stuff in there where we're at are we on obviously in football there's been a little bit of research on obviously you highlight more likely for injury during your period and things so people are made aware of that how's your body feeling do you have any aches and pains do you have anything that you need monitoring treating there are four main things more like recovery, sleep, mental well-being, physical well-being are the ones we generally cover uh, during our day-to-day wellness stuff. I think that's fantastic. It's nice to hear that. <laughs> You're um, welcome. That people are asked. Yeah. That <laughs> people are asked every morning, like, what is, how are you feeling? Did you sleep well? Are you, where are you in your cycle? Um, no, that's really good. Um, you know, you mentioned about the um, propensity to injury during the cycle. Are there different things that you do in terms of training as well, or indeed in terms of nutrition? I'm sure everybody would be curious to know if you have routines when it comes to fueling yourself. Like sports people, they have all sorts of powders or gels or supplements or yeah. or e- even things that they feel like they, they need to do in order to sort of get their head in the game. What, what does that look like for you? I mean, generally on a day-to-day basis, we do turmeric and ginger shots every morning. That's become like a habit at the, at the club now. I love it. <laughs> um, we do, we're lucky enough that we get nutritional, like we are get our breakfast supplied for us, whether it's porridge, yogurt, omelette, eggs, beans, bread, whatever it may be, fruit, whatever you want. After every training session or gym session, we do protein, powders, uh, we do cod liver oil, we do magnesium, depending on the individual, obviously to what they would take, um, multivitamin. And then for us, we have likes of gels to give us energy, isotonic gels for training, caffeine gels. I have, I've been known for cramping in the past in games. I have a, something called Cramp Fix that helps me and my muscles for games and stuff to try and prevent cramp. I think our biggest one is food and fueling. Um, I'm very much a creature habit. I like the same thing before training for my breakfast generally and before the night before a game. I generally have the same thing always. So 
everybody's different, but yeah, I'm a creature habit in that sense. But yeah, we we try to keep on board with everything. Um, and we have a nutritionist who keeps on board with supplements, nutrition, stuff like that. Yeah. I like the fact that you said a couple of times, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I guess you don't want to eat something that's going to make you feel really bloated or you're going to have to like break wind on the pitch or whatever. (laughs) It is though, having a bad stomach and then you're worrying about that during the game or something. I know what fits me. I know that it works for me. So that's what I do. But yeah, everybody's different. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, is there anything that... Can I just say how much I love the turmeric and ginger? I am a major fan. In fact, I even had turmeric and ginger in my tea this morning because you know, there are so many... Um, you just have to go on PubMed to look for interesting articles when it comes to the anti-inflammatory effects of both of those. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely thing that, that, that I really liked hearing you say. Is there anything that you feel as though you have to do like daily or regularly to feel like yourself? Like a, like a wellness sort of non-negotiable type of thing? I say I'm a creature habit. I'm not very, like, I don't think I need to do certain, buy my food, do certain things to get me through the day. But I guess after training, just for me, doing the right things, again, like doing my turmeric and ginger, having my multivitamin, my cod liver oil, my magnesium, um, and then having my protein shake after a session or after gym, like they're kind of musts, but they're because they work for me and that I feel that I'll get the best out of myself and my performance. Cherry Active also is a big one that we use for inflammation and recovery. We use that a lot. What did you say? Cherry Active? Cherry Active juice, cherry juice that we use. Oh, Oh, interesting. That makes sense. A bit like beetroot. Yeah, so, I mean, we've had them all in the past. We've had a beetroot one that's like a nitrate thing before games to help us. And then cherry mm. cherry juice normally we would have in a water after a game. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I love hearing that. That makes me very happy. <laughs> so I think reflecting on all the things that we've talked about, there's so much that, that I've taken from it. There's so much that I've actually learned, which... Um, It's been wonderful. And I think the bottom line for me comes down always to that psychological piece, like knowing yourself, coming back to an enjoyment of the game, putting all those other things aside. And I think that that goes a long way in improving success, but also improving mental health, improving body image, improving all sorts of things. In your journey... Is there any advice that you would give to somebody else who may be struggling mentally or with body image issues or or even just with achieving the things that they want? Looking back so far on your journey, yeah. have you got any, any advice for them? I mean, for me, obviously what you said, like for me, that's my winning formula. Might not be somebody else's. We're all different and you've got to kind of tweak and tamper and find your best winning formula. But for me... I would just say, whatever you're doing, enjoy doing what you do. Like, you see, life can be very, very short. Life can be full of ups and downs, and you've got to embrace them. Embrace them. Again, I was lucky enough to have a good support system. Try and find a good support system. If it's not there, there's always somebody out there who's going to care about you and what you're doing. And for me, really, embrace life. I think... 
for me, I was, I mean, I've been unfortunate enough that my mum uh, a year ago was diagnosed with cancer and it really put life into perspective for me that I actually could have had her taken away from me in any instance. So I think really that resonated with me massively and just embraced life. Like I went into a World Cup and didn't embrace it as much as I should have at that time. And that's why I really did enjoy every experience that I had within this Euros because they're memories and stuff that last a lifetime with me, but you don't know how long your lifetime is. So just embrace it while, while we're here. We, we put so much emphasis and pressure on ourselves in our lives, but we need to just enjoy life to the fullest. Beautiful advice. Thank you, Beth. And I'm sure that if and when your mum hears this, she'll be so proud to hear you say those words. So thank you for sharing it. And I've really, really enjoyed our chat today. No, thank you for having me. So what did you think of that conversation with Beth Mead? Uh, I was really fascinated to hear more about her journey to the success that she had this year and how much she's learned from that. And also just hearing about how she's encouraging women's football even now during the success that she's experiencing that she's thinking about other people thinking about mentorship thinking about passing it down um i think that's really admirable and also loved hearing her love for the game about how she plays still as though she's 10 year old beth really enjoying it so yeah i really found that inspiring what did you think did you learn anything new in that chat If you did enjoy it, do let us know. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Remember to join me again next time when we'll be sharing another great conversation with a guest telling us how they fit wellness into their day. Thank you so much. All views are those of our guests and not Holland and Barrett, unless explicitly stated otherwise. Any reference to brands and or products should not be considered as an endorsement.